Hi, and welcome back to the Shifting Schools podcast. As some of you may already be aware, April is School Library Month. We're going to have lots of links over there in the show notes for you to learn all about School Library Month and ways that you can connect with it ways that you can celebrate your school librarian so we thought this was the absolute perfect time to re-release one of this year's most popular episodes that's a conversation with school librarian karina kilantan who just happened to be a school library journal librarian of the year finalist so we really hope that you enjoy this episode If you do, you may also want to check out the amazing library bingo challenge that Karina put together. She has so generously created a template link for folks to use with lots of different ways to engage with this very important month of celebration. Enjoy the episode. Want to save time with common emails, grading comments, and repetitive typing? Use TextBlaze today to eliminate repetitive typing forever and get your work done within your working hours. Create easy-to-use templates with endless customizations and powerful automation. Try it free today at textblaze.me slash shifting schools. That's T-E-X-T-B-L-A-Z-E dot me slash shifting schools. And thank you to TextBlaze for being a Shifting Schools partner. All right, folks, uh, I am really excited about this conversation. I I love libraries. I love librarians. And something that I've really appreciated about my career in education is that we can learn from folks from, you know, far away through social media. And Karina, I have to tell you that I've loved following your account. I know that I'm not alone. Listeners will be sure to link to it in the show notes. Karina is, of course, a an award-winning librarian is almost like an under an understatement. Um, and you're reminding us that, you know, it's almost a cliche to say that the library is like the heart of a school. We hear that a lot, but I, I really do believe it. And I think what's important is for folks who maybe haven't stepped foot on a school campus in a very long time, the beat of that heart has changed and evolved. And you're just an incredible example of that. You've got passions, not only for, you know, library science, obviously, but you have just about like every ed tech badge imaginable. Um, <laughs> and and you're also interested in esports. So again, it's a, it's a, a fantastic intersection. I'm sure all of the research and learning you have had to do um, along that isn't necessarily easy, but I'm wondering if you can talk to leaders about, you know, the, the various work that you do across those intersections and maybe how those those passions might align or for someone who's listening and is thinking esports and libraries, what's the connection there? Um, can you just tell us a little bit more? about your amazing experience and, again, how you are expanding our understanding of what a library is and what it can mean for students. That was a very long first introductory question. Thanks for still being here. (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you for all those kind comments. I'm humbled. Um, But yeah, no, so I really brought esports into the library just because that was first and foremost, my interest. And I usually send out a survey at the beginning of the year asking my students what kind of programs they want to see in the library. And I just just to kind of feel it out, put gaming club in there. Next thing you know, all the students pretty much, I mean, you're talking about 
a good over 50% of students who responded to the survey said that they wanted gaming in the library and our campus didn't offer any kind of club like that. So I figured, hey, I have a couple of new line screens and I have some technology that we can use. So I invited students to bring in their own uh, equipment, our own devices. We made it into an annual esports tournament because so many students played uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. And then I started looking into how esports could be embedded into the library's programming. And I started finding this information about North America's Scholastic Esports Federation. And I started researching how to become certified in Minecraft for education. This, this is a program that's available in our district because we're a Microsoft for Education district. And once I found out that it was free in that sense, I thought, wow, you know, that'd be really awesome to learn more about this tool and how I can use it across the curriculum. It's fun. It's engaging. The kids love it. I, I, I was under the impression when I first learned about Minecraft that none of my students still played that. I When I was a fifth grade teacher, fifth grade ELA teacher, you're talking about like maybe eight years ago, I knew those kids played Minecraft. I didn't know that it was still a thing. And when I asked my students, you know, considering installing Minecraft on the computers, they all wanted to stay after school. And I thought, okay, this is this is something that we can really do in the library is some project planning through this tool with social studies, with science, with math. It lends itself to so many different subjects. And the fact that all the resources were readily available on the actual Minecraft website, Minecraft for Education website was what made, which is what really sold me. So I joined a cohort and um, became certified. I got certified as an esports leader as well. And our club currently meets on Thursdays and I'll provide them a few challenges and then we complete them and then go from there. And I share with the teachers what we're doing and how the students are making these awesome projects and products and teaching them. I'm, I'm still having, a, I'm not going to lie, I still have a little trouble getting some teachers on board to to actually use it in the lessons just because they're so bombarded with state mandated things. <laughs> so I know for them, gaming still needs to be we need to do a little bit more convincing there. But as far as bringing that into the library, I feel like it's really a safe space where the students can explore a different form of learning that's not traditional and doesn't, I don't know, I guess it's just a nice little break from the day-to-day learning that they have in the traditional classroom and seeing them really excited about coming to the library and learning through video gaming is just amazing. So at at the moment, I know our district is looking into creating actual esport leagues because they saw how it worked in in our middle school. And I told some of the instructional technology specialists in our district, wouldn't it be great if we could set up competitions? Um, I can't, this is not a project that I can do by myself, but if we could somehow work together to involve other librarians and other educators and um, other students throughout the district, we could have divisions, elementary and middle school and high school have different games appropriate for their for their age and see where that goes. So I know that's been a discussion. I'm pretty excited as to how 
this will take off and hopefully we could see big things soon for that. But yeah, so that's well, that's pretty much that sounds really <laughs> exciting. And, you know, again, we started with that cliche of the library being the heart of the school. But Karina, I feel like what you're talking about is how can we get learners in doing things collaboratively, fostering a sense of belonging on campus and coming together around stuff that they enjoy, which really matters. And I love that you mentioned that, you know, it sort of started with surveying students. We were very fortunate a few years ago to host Julia E. Torres, another amazing librarian, um, who also talked about how important it is that we find out what are students interested in? What would they like to see happening in this space? And then from there, you talk about how you did some research. You went about it to see, you know, like, where can I learn? Where can I upskill myself? Um, and again, as I mentioned at the at the top of this episode, you're very active on social media. And I'm curious to talk about that as a vein for some of your research. Uh, listeners, I will link in the show notes a somewhat recent blog post that you shared about manga, library displays being inspired by somebody else. Um, and again, how sometimes we can come across an idea that somebody has shared that oh, okay, I'm going to remix this. I'm going to make this mine. Um, I'm wondering if you might talk a little bit about how social media is influencing library displays. I know now every time I go into a bookstore, I see a hot on TikTok display right now. Um, But I'm wondering if you might talk a little bit about that or just even more broadly how social media is an influence in the way that you see your work. Yeah. So speaking of that blog post, that, that was really fun. So manga is pretty much a huge section that circulates in our library. About 40% or more of our circulation is because of the manga section. Whoa. Yeah, I know. It's Whoa. pretty intense. I know. It's, it's pretty intense. But it's great, and I love it, and I love that the students love it. And it really brings something unique to to our library in that this is the literature that they want to read. And these are the types of readers that I'm attracting. And it's not just limited to the kid who likes to read. It attracts all types of readers of all abilities, which is why I love manga so much. But um, actually, the signage idea I got from Jennifer Zimney, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I saw her post on social media, actually a I saw a photo on Instagram and I went to Twitter and posted and said, someone find me this person who created this display and the power of Twitter found her (laughs) and tagged her. And I thought, this is wonderful. Like I need to give credit where credit is due. So I saw her post on social media and thought, wow, this is something that my students would really benefit from just having the signage pop with, with the different series of manga and uh, with pictures associated with it. So my students, the majority are what we call here in Texas, emergent bilingual students. So consider it English language learners, right? I live in the Rio Grande Valley, which is on the deep South Texas border near Mexico. Um, So my students come in knowing mainly Spanish and learn English in schools. So any visuals are so important in the library to help direct patrons to the literature that they want to read and that they want to seek. But speaking as someone who hates creating displays. And I know that's oh blasphemy, uh, mainly because I'm not good at it. I, I look to other librarians to get ideas. I'm not creative 
in that sense, we all as librarians have different strengths and library displays are not my thing. I can create a design on Canva, print it out and post it, laminate it, no problem. But ask me to get artsy and crafty with my displays. It's just just not going to happen. It's not. So thankfully, thankfully, there's hundreds of librarians on social media that share their ideas and their designs and they share their creations freely, which is so beautiful because this really allows us to browse through these photos and collages of displays for for inspiration and, you know, really make connections with these creative professionals and adapt those ideas for our own libraries. Not to mention that it really lends itself to collaboration. I had an idea for uh, some Spotify playlists to, to post around the the library and luckily one of my friends Rachel Welsh she collaborated with me on it and it was great we shared a document we put it together we posted it shared it with other librarians and other people enjoyed it too so it's a great way social media is just a great way for us to collaborate with one another and you know being able to join those online groups or communities that are dedicated to any specific thing be it library displays books uh, technology it, it just really helps us make our posts more discoverable because I librarianship can be very isolating right so luckily this is something a tool that can help us raise this awareness of um, different ideas that we can share and how how we can attract more visitors to the library and increase engagement with these um, displays and with these ideas. Not to mention that social media really, um, I guess, promotes feedback. Sometimes I'll have an idea for something and a display or anything really, and I'll send out a poll. What do you think of this? Or I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And I'll receive messages from people like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you tweaked it this way? Or, oh, I like that idea. Maybe I can do it this way. And it's just great getting that kind of feedback. So we kind of come together to gather this inspiration and help each other promote not just our individual libraries, but each other's libraries and hopefully create something that's relevant to our respective communities. Hi, folks. We'll get back to today's conversation in just a minute. We're super excited to introduce you to and add text blaze to our growing list of shifting school sponsors. If you hate sending emails and working late while grading student assignments, and you're like most teachers, always looking for a way to save time and get your work done before you go home, well then, text blaze might just be your answer. With text blaze, you can save time on repetitive typing and get your work done within your working hours. Using TextBlaze, you set up keyboard shortcuts to insert frequent email replies, common grading feedback, and any repetitive text you find yourself typing. TextBlaze is a Chrome extension that once you install it, allows you to create customized shortcuts to use anywhere within your Chrome browser. So create custom shortcuts to use in any web-based LMS system like Google Classroom or Canvas, or any web-based email system like Gmail. TextBlaze has saved users over 28 hours a month Think about that for a second. You spend a few minutes setting up your templated responses to students, parents, or colleagues, and then with a couple keystrokes, have TextBlaze write it for you. One of my favorite features 
is you can create a template and also have TextBlaze put the cursor where you want it within the template. So imagine you're sending home the same email over and over again to parents. You can create a TextBlaze template that writes the email for you and automatically puts the cursor where the student's name needs to appear within the email, saving you time and clicks. Don't take my word for it though. You can try it out for free by going to textblaze.me slash shifting schools and set up your account and see how TextBlaze can save you time on repetitive tasks. So what are you waiting for? Visit textblaze.me slash shifting schools to get started saving time today. That's textblaze.me slash shifting schools. And we thank TextBlaze for being a shifting school sponsors. And now back to our conversation. Yeah, I mean, as someone who is not a librarian, I have to say that like library Twitter is one of my favorite corners of <laughs> The internet, like it is so affirming. There's so many great ideas. And I think you you had a, a blog post that you shared too about the playlist idea. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but um, if I'm remembering that correctly, I'll be sure to have that link in the show notes as well. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, what you're talking about in terms of folks sharing. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, I'm thinking, uh, obviously I, I follow many of the hashtags, but I'm wondering... For someone who is a librarian and is hearing you describe that sharing and that feedback loop that exists, but they don't know where to get started, I'm wondering if you might want to direct them, pick your social media channel uh, of choice. You know, what might they actually look at? You know, I know this isn't a a librarian, so to speak, but one of my favorite accounts on Twitter to follow is Haymarket Books. They have this weekly. Just Friday, they put a call out, like, what are you reading? And they've developed such a great community that, to be honest with you, like every week, I look forward to just scrolling through those responses because every single week I find at least one one book that I haven't heard of before that I know um, I need to I need to learn more about. So again, for a listener who's thinking, what Karina is describing almost sounds like a utopia. Um, <laughs> and social media, of course, is not a utopia, but you know there there are some some real benefits. So I'm wondering if you either want to direct us to is it a hashtag, is it an account, um, you know, something that that kind of speaks to what you've described there. Oh wow, okay, that's that's going to be difficult because there's so many. There's just so many different hashtags and accounts that I follow. I mean, I joined Twitter several years ago. And, and I've been able to follow so many great people. But if I had to narrow it down to, let's say, several, maybe like my top five, I would have to pick definitely Future Ready Librarians. Um, my Texas Librarian Network, right? So the Texas Library Association. My Best friends Amanda Hunt, Deborah Zeman, um, Rachel Welsh, Martha Bongiorno, Amanda Jones. Just uh, oh gosh, I don't know. It's kind of putting me on the spot. There's just I'm so, so many. sorry to have done that. <laughs> well, you you've given us some good ones there to uh, <laughs> to look at. And um, Future Ready Librarians also has a, a Facebook group as well, folks. So um, you know, again, I think that's been a, a long running 
because I know that sometimes Twitter can be overwhelming if you haven't um, if you haven't signed up yet. So that might be also um, a nice space to check out. And of course, listeners, just follow Karina. You know, her account's going to be in the show notes. Um, last November, I can't believe November is like a while ago now with um, the school library journal, another account that I really love following. You led a very special session that was entitled storytelling as advocacy. Karina, can you talk to listeners a little bit about that session? Um, You know, maybe it's just part of your personal learning journey that sits at the foundation of putting a session like that together. Yeah. Well, well, wow. I, I can't believe that I was actually invited to attend this you know, much less present. I'm I'm still in shock. Um, but I, I traveled to Minneapolis for the School Library Journal Summit in November, and their theme for this past year was uh, advocacy in action. So I had the tremendous honor of presenting a breakout session, which was called Storytelling is Advocacy. And it was so wonderful to share our library's story and share the narrative that surrounds what we provide as a school library located in the Rio Grande Valley. So I discussed the different ways that I use data collection, conduct needs analysis, uh, gather quality feedback, and create student leadership groups like my library ambassadors to create programming as well as how I leverage technology to tell our library story. So this includes everything from documenting our day-to-day interactions, our programs, our events and trainings and everything else that the library offers. Um, Because I really feel that how the manner in which I document our story really shapes the library's narrative. And I want it to be positive and I want it to be welcoming and I want it to be inclusive Um, because we aim to be socially responsible, you know, and a creative space where students can feel seen and heard and validated. And My personal learning and the reason I go about shaping our story by using media and student groups and data is because (laughs) my first story was my first story. My first year was so hard. I almost quit. I thought, no, not this is not for me. This profession isn't for me. I miss teaching. I miss having my students, right, that I'm responsible for, for teaching and I thought, well, you know, I I, I went to school for this. I, I obviously pursued this profession for a reason. I need to give it a shot. I just can't leave, you know, two weeks in, <laughs> even though I, I cried a lot. Um, so I started asking myself hard questions, like what was getting in the way of me really enjoying my job? And it came down to some difficult build. It, it was difficult to build rapport with my ministries at the time. They're not the same ones that I have now, but uh, that was one of the reasons. And then having no funding, basically non-existent funding, no assistance. I was by myself. I didn't have an assistant. I wasn't building rapport the way I wanted to with the students and staff. So it's so easy to get sucked into this mental space where you think my library, my roles, my space versus our library, our space, our community. So I wanted to shift my thinking and become more reflective and, and mindful of how I was presenting the library and its services. So I flipped the script. I flipped the narrative and decided, okay, it's a shared space where I'm not going to force, but I'm going to facilitate interactions, this type of learning and growth that I want to see in the students. 
because we know that this profession of you're by yourself can be super isolating. I know I said that before, but so I looked to the students and staff who understood the campus culture, the relationship dynamics. I really sought out those relationships to create these solutions that helped me overcome these barriers that were preventing students and staff from visiting the library. And this included adjusting library hours, sending out student and staff surveys about what kind of books and programs they wanted to see, creating student-led clubs, and collaborating with teachers. And I've noticed, and I noticed that once I did those things and saw those successes, it was easy to provide an example for other teachers and other students as to this is what's happening, this is what's been successful, this is what's fun and what's happening. So if you want to join, go ahead and join. And um, by the end of my first year, a lot of the feedback I received from teachers was the kids love being here. I love being here. It was never like this before you got here. It was always a dead space. So, and the students, I mean, I, I would use the Google form to track the sign-ins and every six weeks that number kept going up. So I found that this approach worked and I found that when they were involved in the decision-making process, they're more likely to become advocates for the library and more willing to buy into what you're selling, which is literacy and the love of learning. And it's not just me anymore shouting, the library is essential. It's all of us coming together and saying, we are the library. That is so beautiful. And I, you know, I hope what you realize you're doing also is ensuring that those students understand library as communal space and one day eventually them getting involved within local libraries outside of their school. You know, I I was having a conversation with a friend recently about how the idea of like the town hall has kind of gone. Um, You know, a lot of our community is online and that the library is sort of one of the very few social spaces that exists that crosses over all different kinds of socioeconomic lines. Um, You know, it is a great place for a community to come together for folks who ordinarily might not have any other reason to come together. And I've been thinking a lot about just how important libraries are in society. And I think you're instilling those values when, you know, we need students to be thinking about it early on. Um, And again, even that idea of a library is a space for learning in so many different directions. And that also it's that student leadership piece that has a role to play. So that's that's really beautiful. I mean, Karina, when you were saying that you were surprised to be invited to present <laughs> and then we sit and listen to what you have to say about how you, if I'm going to keep going with this cliche of the library being the heart of the school, it's like you were the EMT who came in, did the evaluation, sort of, you know, jolted that heart back to life. Um, it totally makes sense to me why, you know, School Library Journal reached out and we're very fortunate to host your voice, host your story. I'm really glad that we got to host it on this show as well. So listeners, please be sure head over to the show notes. If you're not already following Karina, I know that um, the work that you continue to do will be inspiring. Um, And I look forward to following you over there on social media as well. So thanks again for your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Just a reminder, you can save $25 on any of our learning pathways at ShiftingSchools.com by using the code SSPOD25 at checkout. 
If you like today's show, or if you have something you'd like us to talk about, send us an email at info at shiftingschools.com. And of course, rates and reviews are always appreciated. Until next time, we'll see you on the network.